0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Leto. Bill sent me a note about a story and a wrongful conviction being overturned and the man being given money for how long he spent in jail. And these stories always fascinate me because, yes, once in a while someone gets convicted who shouldn't be. And then later on they get out. And all we can do is give them money. And so all you can think about in a situation like this is 44 years in prison. 44 years in prison. And you get out and they hand you a check doesn't make you whole. So thanks a lot, Bill, from the Associated Press. North Carolina man settled for millions after wrongful conviction. Wrongful conviction. A man wrongfully convicted and imprisoned for 44 years has reached a $25 million combined settlement with a central North Carolina city and a state of North Carolina involving a lawsuit accusing authorities of misconduct. And this was announced to press, so this is not like we're revealing sensitive information here. The settlement, which will end a wrongful incarceration lawsuit filed by attorneys for the man, also included a public written apology from the city of Concord for its role in his imprisonment. The city is about 25 miles northeast of Charlotte, and uh, they've agreed to pay $22 million of the settlement. But the written apology is huge. It's not uncommon that someone get out of jail, and they will decline to prosecute them again and say, fine, we just won't prosecute you. But here they've actually written an apology We are deeply remorseful for the past wrongs that caused tremendous harm to Mr. Long, his family, friends, and our community. While there are no measures to fully restore to him and his family all that was taken from them, through this agreement, we are doing everything in our power to right the past wrongs and take responsibility. The man is now 68 years old. 68 years old. He was living in Concord when he was accused of raping a woman, an all-white jury, and you can guess that he's black, um that the man's attorney said was handpicked by local law enforcement, convicted Long in 1976. At age 21, he received two life sentences. So at the age of 21, he gets locked up for 44 years. He was helped for years in his criminal case appeal by a wrongful conviction clinic at Duke University's law school. The man's attorneys had said that there were more than 40 fingerprints collected from the scene that were never shared and did not match the defendant's. There were also fluid samples, never disclosed to the defense. They later disappeared, and that's the kind of thing you can DNA test, okay? So they didn't tell him about these other fingerprints, didn't tell him about other evidence, and, of course, now it's disappeared. And sadly, there's a very good chance that using modern technology they could have figured out who did this because any time you hear about a wrongful conviction, that does mean by necessity that somebody out there got away with something, assuming the crime was actually committed. But here, it looks like a crime was committed. So the actual attacker here got off, and he went to prison for 44 years. It would be nice if they could find who did it and lock them up. In August of 2020, a federal appeals court ordered a new hearing for the man in his effort to obtain relief. Almost immediately, his conviction was vacated, and he's released from prison The governor granted him a full pardon of innocence. And also keep in mind that a governor or a president or whoever, when they have pardon powers, they can pardon somebody who everyone knows is guilty. They can just say, I'm going to pardon this person. But if they pardon them and say, oh, by the way, I'm doing it because they are innocent, that means a lot more. It doesn't undo what happened to him, but it means a lot more. A few months later, a state commission awarded him $750,000 by law, the state's top compensation for victims of wrongful incarceration. So it turns out if you're wrongfully convicted and incarcerated in North Carolina, you can get money for your time in jail, and that would have been capped in his case at $750,000, but that's money from the state. He then sued in federal court in Raleigh and in part accused Concord police officers of extraordinary misconduct, that led to his wrongful conviction and imprisonment in violation of his civil rights. As part of the settlement, he also received $3 million from the State Bureau of Investigation as a result of their role in hiding evidence from the man and his legal team that proved his innocence. A news release from his attorneys in the lawsuit said that. Meanwhile, a spokesperson didn't immediately respond Tuesday to an email uh, and a text seeking comment on that. The city of Concord also said Tuesday it acknowledges and accepts responsibility for the significant errors in judgment and willful misconduct by previous city employees that led to Long's wrongful conviction and imprisonment. While his attorneys described the monetary payments as one of the largest wrongful conviction settlements nationwide, they said the city's statement was extremely important to their client. This result speaks to the magnitude of injustice that occurred in his case, said one of his lawyers in the lawsuit, adding the apology goes a long way in helping Mr. Long heal. And so the scary part is that when they hide the evidence that would help exonerate you, it indicates that they have knowledge that you might not be the right person. And we hear about this from time to time, and you should know that if you're being prosecuted, you have the right to not only, before trial, see what evidence they have against you, but they need to show you the evidence that they have that would help you. If they've got evidence of another potential defendant, They got to tell you about that. Other suspects? Absolutely. Evidence that could be DNA tested that would prove you're innocent? Sure. And apparently they chose not to tell his team about some of these things. And so later on, they figured all this stuff out. It's like, oh, oh. And they didn't even bother going through the motions of pretending to retry him. Because prosecutors today looking at this case go, oh, we don't have a chance in Hades on this one. We don't. Because the second we turn over the fingerprints and admit we lost the fluid samples, uh, there goes our case. And keep in mind that if I've got evidence in my possession and I destroy it, hide it, or lose it, it's presumed that it hurt my case. It's called spoliation of evidence. Spoliation, S-P-O-L-I, not spoliation, spoliation. It's one of those things that people mispronounce and misspell. Spoliation of evidence. Spoliation of evidence creates the presumption that it would have gone against you. It's not definitive. It's, it's something that a jury could decide to disregard. But you have to ask yourself, why does somebody do these things? Why would they withhold evidence from the defense? Oh, because it would help the defense defend their client. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, this does remind me, I'm going to point this out. some people will, will remember this, but there was a case of the West Memphis Three. Three guys were convicted of a murder, which, if you study it, they had nothing to do with it. They, they, they clearly had nothing to do with it. I've seen several documentaries on it. I've read all kinds of articles uh, about it. I, I know quite a bit about the case. And so there was a murder in 1993 in a town called West Memphis. And three guys were convicted of that in 1994. And they started working through the appeal, the appeal process and so on. And somewhere along the line, about 2010, so we're talking about, you know, uh, 16 years later, um, the court, the Supreme Court of Arkansas came out and said, "Um, you know something, it's looking like these guys didn't get a fair trial. So perhaps they should get a new trial. Now, I don't know if they actually ordered a new trial or not. I just remember that the Supreme Court made a ruling. It made it very, very clear that these guys were going to get a new trial. The prosecutors approached the attorneys for the three defendants, who by now had spent more than 10 years in prison each, and said, hey, your guys have already spent a ton of time in prison. If you guys will enter what we call an Alford plea, each Alford pleas, uh, we will sentence you to time served and let you all go. Now, the three guys were steadfast in their statements that they didn't do it. They were innocent. But if you've been locked up for, oh, I don't know, 16 years, 16 years, and somebody goes, here's your choice. You can get a new trial, go through the whole process again, using the evidence we know about now, and a jury can decide your fate. You may go back to prison. You may be freed. You may be exonerated. Or enter an Alford plea, and you can get out right now. You might say, but Steve, what's an Alford plea? An Alford plea is where you admit that the prosecution could get a conviction against you with the evidence they have, and therefore you are choosing not to defend yourself and you're doing that and basically going to let the court decide what to do with you because you're not pleading guilty. You're simply saying they had evidence that could have gotten us convicted. And the Interesting point about this is they took that offer so they could get out of jail. And the three guys got out. Now, I know some people say, Steve, what's the difference? The difference is these guys went on the record with their attorneys and said, as part of this plea, we will concede that the prosecution had enough evidence to convict us. It was possible. It wasn't a done deal, but it was possible. Putting that plea in like that means that they cannot sue for wrongful conviction. That's exactly why they did that, referring to the prosecution. The prosecution offered these three guys in the West Memphis case the Elford pleas, knowing it could save the state a ton of money. Now, you have to understand that not every state allows for the recovery of money like this by the wrongfully convicted. I mentioned before Timothy Masters. I wrote a book about him with him, with his assistance. He's a friend of mine. And, um, and uh, in his case, when he got out and proved he was innocent, he did get the apology from the people in power, and he also got money as compensation for the time he spent in jail. So he spent 10 years in jail for a murder he did not commit. He got out. He got compensated. But very few people would say, you know, I'd take that deal. Go sit in prison for 10 years. And I always tell people, keep in mind that when you're in prison, there's no knowledge in your head that you're getting out. You think you're there for the rest of your life. So it would be torture mentally to be in prison for a crime you did not commit and you've been told you are never getting out. And that was the situation with this guy, convicted of rape, sentenced to two life sentences, uh, and he spent 44 years in prison. And after they started digging around in his case, they discover, oh, there's all kinds of evidence that was never turned over to his, to his team. And then you realize, oh, they did this to the guy. Now, it might be, and, and I've, I've, I've seen some indications That some prosecutors and some police would tell you that this guy, they didn't think he was innocent. They thought he was guilty. So if he's guilty, and we play with the rules a little bit to make sure he gets convicted, we're actually doing good. That's what they think. That's their mindset. And of course it's wrong, because the rules are there so everyone gets a fair trial. So if he doesn't get a fair trial, it doesn't make it better because, oh, well, we thought he was guilty. Because that's what they would tell you. And I, I've seen police officers actually say after someone's been exonerated, I still think he did it. Even after their bosses have said, We're sorry, he didn't do it. So there's a problem with the mindset. There's also a problem with the mindset of prosecutors who don't follow the rules. Because keep in mind that while the police investigate and are key witnesses in the trial, uh, it's the prosecutor who's in charge of handling the case. And so when stuff doesn't get turned over to the other side, that's on the prosecutor. So I don't know if this prosecutor is still around after 44 years, but if they are, they should have some issues as well. So, Bill, thanks for sending up to the Associated Press. North Carolina man settles for millions after wrongful conviction. 44 years in prison, for which he'll get $25 million to spend Later in life, and it is not full compensation, but that's all we've got. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Life does not owe you anything because life has already given you everything.